Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the decent Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew? Really breaking out the superlatives, aren't you? (laughs) Well, I mean, how does it feel to be decent? Decent. (laughs) Just decent? (laughs) I, I thought we're supposed to be excited about decent. <laughs> oh, the fact that we have some decent players on the Giants? Is that is that what you're talking about? The fact that we have a chance to win 84 games, Matthew. That's, you know, Three decent. more than we won last year, Ben. Three hey, more. Hey, progress is progress, right? right. <laughs> progress is progress. We'll be two more spots closer to that third wild card. Yeah, I don't even think that was enough to win that wild card, was it? I don't think so. I no. think it was 87. Was it 87? I don't remember. I don't remember what the It Phillies... wasn't 84, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I don't remember how many games the Phillies won on their way to the World Series. Uh, and that's the sad thing. I mean, thanks to the Phillies for showing us how easy it is to win that last wild card spot and then almost, you know, um, fake it till you make it. Uh, yeah, well, the they showed through. every every major league team that, so... Yeah, and that really paid off, right? They made all those free agents a lot cheaper, didn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah. It, it, you know, I don't want to get too far into this, and this is way out. We, you, you and I just spent all this time like figuring out what we're going to talk about this episode. But the one thing is, is like every time like a pl- uh, an owner does like what Steve Cohen for the Mets did this this off season, I, I hate them, and I, I don't want them to win. But this year, I do. I do want them to win. Like I want the Mets to win it all. And don't get me wrong. If the Giants win, I would rather have the Giants win it all. Because always and forever, I will eat crow all day long if the Giants win the World Series. But if the Giants don't win, I'd really like to see the Mets win, just to just to just to just to burn our front office a little bit. But wow, I'm way down at a tangent. I'm already like this is yeah, this that's is, not where yeah, anywhere in our notes. That's not anywhere in our notes. We didn't we didn't say any of that at all. Hey, you go to uh, Hawaii and you come back just coming in from left field. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. You come I come back from Hawaii and I'm just super mellow, you know. And uh and uh, I don't know, but then I just start thinking about the San Francisco Giants and I just got all rah! You get all worked up. Yeah. All worked up. Oh, well, anyway, I, um, so as, as we all know, we, we, well, I, I don't know that we all know cause we, we did the last episode, didn't we? We did. We released it earlier this week. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That episode was pretty good. We did talk about the cocktails too long. <laughs> that was a lot of cocktail talk, but folks, that day was a very long day for us. And, and we had already started consuming our cocktails pre-show, which we don't usually do because we want to save them for the show, right? We actually want to have them in our possession while we're, uh, you know, while we're talking about them. And, but that time we we just started early because we were just so bitter about what the Giants hadn't done. I mean, little did we know, huh? So that's, so we were actually pretty lit, right? I think at that point. Oh yeah. Well, and then then the episode we actually released, I can't believe we held it together long enough to talk about Carlos Correa. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think by that time, you know, it had been so long, like we had actually started to sober up a little bit. 
<laughs> Probably, yeah. And that was true. our first mistake, really. So, folks, we're not going to let that happen again. We're going to make sure that we stay properly lubricated all the way through the show in case we have to record an emergency show right afterwards. But... Before that week, Matthew, before the last episode, we, we had a different episode where we changed things up a little bit. Yeah. We, that's we right. were together, first of all. That's right. Yep. Which and we're we not. A, we're, bo- we're both in our closets now. Back in our closets. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, we introduced a trivia question. Yeah. That's right. And we are one for one in providing the answer by the end of the show. We which, remembered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you remembered. That's true. That's true. I remember. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, I fully expect that to be my responsibility and not yours. Good, good, good. Um, and then I added an extra bonus question. Is cloche a word? That's and, right. You did. Yeah. And yeah. I've used that word like several times in the last yeah. couple of weeks. Well, that's good because you know what? Also, in the, in the last episode, I, I used the word provident to describe you as, usurp- as your weekly superlative. And you didn't know what it meant. I didn't. No. No. I'm, I'm, you know, I used to think I was well-read and had a pretty big vocabulary. Turns out I don't. So, you know, you learn things about yourself all the time. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Look where it's gotten me in life. (laughs) Nowhere. Nowhere. (laughs) I'm sitting here in my closet. Talking to me about the Giants. (laughs) Drinking. I'm drinking in my own closet. It's the only place I can go and have a drink and talk about baseball. Oh, well, but I, uh, uh, I have a question for you. Okay. But do you have the, the do you have the trivia question also? I do, but let's hear your question first and then we'll mm. uh, then I'll okay. spring the trivia question on. Okay. Which stage of grief are you in right now, Matthew? Are you in denial or acceptance? Cuz I have a feel it's one of those two the way that you have been talking about the Giants roster recently. I I think that I'm more on the acceptance mm. side. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I think That's earlier good. I was definitely on the denial. Like I mm. felt like there were more moves to be made, but mm-hmm. uh, I even if there are more moves to be made, I don't see how they could be like needle changing, like like earth shattering. Yeah. We got to do an emergency pod type of moves, right? Yeah. So I think I've kind of come to accept that the team that we have now is like for the most part going to be the team that we roll out in 2023 yes yes may the lord have mercy on us all um no decent it's decent it's mediocre it's average it's 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 81 plus wins for sure for sure it's 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 fine (laughs) everything's fine he says (laughs) in the burning house uh yeah no i'm still in the anger phase which i think is phase one Yes, you haven't moved. I have not moved. No, I'm still in the anger phase. So you know, we all cope at our different, different paces. And it's what's, what 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 matters is that we all support each other through these tough times. Yeah. Um, exactly. All right. Well, well, so that's my question. Okay. Good. Good to know. Good to know. I I because I've been tent- I've been detecting some optimism coming from you. And I was like, and would you classify the optimism as denial? Then is that what you're uh, what you were insinuating? I would. Yes. I, I would. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was but like, I, optimism isn't one of the stages of grief, but I no, but see where yeah, you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, you know, I also know you, right? And yes. I'm like, oh, he could actually have moved on to acceptance, and he just thinks this is a really good roster. Well, the, the part that I keep going back to is that we didn't think the roster in 2021 was all that great. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and not not to give, you know, I'm kind of done giving Farhan and them so much credit for that. But it, what it did show me is that you never know. That's correct. Yes, and, you never know. So, and that's one of the great things about being a baseball fan in general, not just a Giants fan, is that this time of year, everybody has a perfect record. 
That's right. And and so I could be optimistic now because in like a few months, I'll probably be like crying in my beer. So, you know, it's now's the time to be optimistic. That's right. I mean, the Pirates, they got Connor Joe. They got Harlan Garcia. You know, the Pirates could pop some off, right? That's right. Surprise everybody. Shock the world. Uh, the Rockies are going to sign Carlos Correa, I think I predicted a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and Chris Bryant will have a comeback here. He'll actually hit some home runs in Colorado. A home run? <laughs> That would be more than last year. That would be more than last year. Um, Well, anyway, folks, today is, oh, Thursday, January 5th, as we record this podcast. Um, You know, we'll talk about what our schedule going forward will be, but obviously we're catching up from my time off. And um, yeah, but then I realized we never got to the trivia question. That's right. Trivia question, Ben, who was the first Giants player to win a gold glove. Ooh. Ooh. Um, yeah, I have an answer for this. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> it, it, there's a long list to choose from. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, we've had a lot of great defensive players. The problem is, I don't know when they started giving out the gold glove. <laughs> exactly. Like, I was like, that's got to be like, you know, a 1980s thing, right? Like, just when they did the fire Rolaids Fireman of the Year kind of thing, right? That's probably when this popped around, but... We will we will reveal the answer to this mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. That's right. Maybe. That's right. That's right. Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Unless we're <laughs> unless we're too intoxicated and forget. So uh, so wait to find out what the answer to that is, or find out if we got super super drunk this episode. Either way, it's it's the cliffhanger, folks. <laughs> I think that's probably why some people listen to us, huh? It's like how sauced are they going to get? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Oh, well, anyway, uh, while I was off in in Hawaii um, on my revenge trip, because those of you, those of you listeners, those of you have been with us for the last six months, you'll remember that I went there. I recorded a couple episodes from there um, just just in June. And uh, that was not a pleasant trip for me. So um, so I definitely did a revenge trip. Um, But while I was there, Wow. You folks have been having an adventure here. It's like what drought? <laughs> People are surfing in the streets, man. That's right. That's right. So Matthew, I think you made a you made a cocktail inspired by that, and then that inspired me. So Bob, hit Matthew with the question. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, yes, I I was inspired by kind of the winter thing, and I've winter in my mind starts like December first. You know, and and then so I always for this podcast, I was like, oh, I should do winter cocktails because it's winter. And then like and then for me, winter ends like December 31st and (laughs) and then I'm done. And so but there was only like four weeks to do winter cocktails. And so I looked at the calendar and it's still winter. And so I decided that I'm going to continue with the winter cocktails. So today I am bringing a hot buttered rum to Mm. the show and i don't think i've ever done a warm cocktail before and this one is i mean let's face it it's like dessert in a cup uh but boy is it good and i had actually never had a hot buttered rum until uh actually just a few weeks ago i was hanging out at the bird and bottle in santa rosa my favorite bar shout out 
guys. Uh, and they had one on their menu. And so I ordered it up. And in my mind, like hot buttered rum, I was like, what's so fancy about melted butter and rum? Like I just, uh, you know, uh, but frankly, there's a lot more in a hot buttered rum than just butter. So let me tell you what's in it. It's uh, this particular recipe. You make a batch of the batter. And so the batter is very easy to put together in a saucepan. You melt a half a cup of butter and then you do half a cup of dark brown sugar, half a cup of powdered sugar, three quarter teaspoons of cinnamon, a quarter teaspoon nutmeg, quarter teaspoon salt, and then two cups of vanilla ice cream. And I have to tell you that if you do the vanilla bean, the good stuff, like maybe go Tillamook instead of like, you know, instead of the Safeway like store brand, uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good choice. So use, go the, go the better vanilla ice cream route when you're doing this, two cups of that. And you melt all that together and, and then, uh, stir it till it gets really smooth because it gets a little clumpy at first and you whisk it until it gets really smooth. And then you pour it into a jar and just store it in your fridge and it'll, you know, it'll be good for a week or so. And you just, uh, about, you use it and then you take about a quarter to a third of a cup. Frankly, I did a third of the cup because I just felt like that was better. And then, uh, you put that in a mug and you put an ounce and a half to two ounces of spiced rum, depending on how, you know, how, how sloshed you want to get. And then I put a quarter ounce of the St. Elizabeth Allspice Dram that I've been using in a lot of my winter cocktails because I got this whole bottle and it's still winter. And, uh, it, that was a nice little addition. And then you put all that in there and you top it off your mug with some boiling water and you stir it till it's all, you know, comes together. You don't have to top it off with anything, but maybe a little pinch of cinnamon or a cinnamon stick. Uh, if you like whipped cream, that's fine too. I put a little whipped cream on mine. Uh, and it's just this nice, spicy, sweet, warm cocktail as it's pouring rain outside and uh, just a lovely cocktail. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. It sure is, Bob. It sure is. But you know what, Matthew? There's a lot to unpack in what you just said. First of all, I want to let you and maybe some of our listeners, because now I'm wondering about everybody in the world, but there are four seasons in a year. Hmm. They are each equal in length. Is that right? Yes. And there are 12 months in a year. So if you do the math, you know, carry the one, divide by zero, yada, yada, yada. Uh, each season lasts about Three months. Get out of here. I know. It's crazy. But here's the other thing. Most of December is in the fall. Because <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah. it is. Because yeah. of course it is. Well, yeah. I mean, like winter starts on the winter solstice and that's the shortest day of the year. And that's usually late Is that in how December. it works? Really? Yes. Yes. And then, and then spring starts on the equinox. I thought it was just like December 1st that we decide that's winter. And and, and no. I got to tell you, when I, lived in, when I lived in San Diego, there were not three. You know, there there's a not, lot of things. There were, were not three. <laughs> there, were not three there were not four seasons. There was there's two only seasons. two seasons. There, yeah. was, there was summer, which was 11 months long. And then there was winter, which was the month of December. So it was when maybe that's put where, up the lights. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where I'm getting it from, I think. You <laughs> right. Know, just, okay. 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 Sometimes uh, winter would start the day after Thanksgiving. You know, right, right with right. Black Friday. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. that's about it. That's... I know, see, I know you're joking about the 11 plus one season thing, San Diego thing. But 
you know, we we say a lot of things on the show that we know are incorrect, right? Just just for the just for the giggles, <laughs> just for the giggles. But, but right now, I'm like, does he really not know that, <laughs> that the, the solstices and the and the equinoxes are when the season starts? Yo, I I know that there's t- specific dates and it has to do with the calendar, lunar stuff, and all that. I don't pay attention to that. No, no, it's like, not why, you know, that's it's, it's not it's relevant solar. to it's, my experience. It's solar, man. Now I'm getting angry. <laughs> Solar, not lunar. Okay. All right. <laughs> what in the world? What is going on? What is happening right now? Bob, hit me. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Um, well, since Matthew uh, so excellently it chose a, a hot cocktail for these bitter hot stove months, um, and you're right, Matthew, there are only two seasons. There's the baseball season, and then there's the crappy season. That's right. And right now, we are in the crappy season. And uh, and so, yeah, it is a time for, it's a time of cold, and apparently now rain, which is different. And I thought, wow, a, a, a hot buttered rum. Well, I should follow up with another hot cocktail. And I thought, well, what other hot cocktails are there? And I know that everybody's thinking the hot toddy. It's but I'm not going to make a hot toddy, because that's too complicated, Matthew. <laughs> Today, I am bringing to the table the whiskey skin, or in this case, the rum skin. Well, actually, I made two, as I always do, and I made one of each. Well, what is a whiskey skin? A whiskey skin, which is the original cocktail, uh, is, um, it's just, all it is is whiskey, boiling water, and sugar, um, which is the basis of a hot toddy. And a hot toddy, you kind of go a different direction. You add some spices to it, and then you throw in a, a lime a lime circle, and, and then, you know, that's your hot toddy. Sorry, a lemon circle. That's your hot toddy. Well, to make a whiskey skin, all you do is add to that those three basic ingredients. You just add a lemon peel, and you squirt the lemon peel. You know, you express the lemon peel over the cocktail, and then you just chuck it into the glass or your mug. And that is a whiskey skin. Uh, in my particular case, I'm using two ounces of whiskey uh, or rum. Um, in one case, I'm using a Kaloa Hawaiian spiced rum from the island of Kauai. Uh, and then using four ounces of boiling water on top of that. And then I actually stirred in a teaspoon of Kauaian uh, uh, honey, mm. uh, which I brought back to me in a carry-on appropriate sized container. And uh, and that actually is a very um, uh, well. The rum is really the dominant flavor here, uh, as it is in the whiskey skin as well. So I think this is actually an excellent cocktail for you to to use if you have a rum or a whiskey that you really like or a bourbon, but you're feeling like you want something warm. It's also very good if you're a little under the weather. You got the Rona, or you got the flu, or you're hungover. Uh, you know, or all three, and uh, and and you need uh, this is an excellent one to like. Just it's a very very good comfort cocktail. Um, of these two, I actually think I prefer the bourbon one. Hmm. And in this case, I'm using a bourbon that that you gave to me as a gift. Oh yeah, yeah, way back when it was fall in early December. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> a little redwood redwood empire. Uh, bourbon? That's right, the Redwood Empire bourbon. Um, I would say that you got to drink this right away. Like, you know, on the show we we typically make them beforehand, and then we kind of they kind of sit. And some of our colder cocktails, that's actually totally fine. These hot cocktails, man, 
they I got age a, fast. I got a, I got a lukewarm hot, a lukewarm buttered rum right now. Yeah, yeah. Mine, mine are. I got one in a Yeti cup, and that one has actually done a lot better than the one that I have in my insulated tea yeah. cup. So, I should hope. I should anyway. hope it does better. So there you go. That is the whiskey skin and the rum skin. I don't know that the rum skin is an actual name, but that's what I'm calling mine. Nice. And uh, yeah, there you go. Two wonderful winter-appropriate cocktails. Winter, which started on December 21st and will go until late March when we have the spring equinox. Got it. When the moon is halfway between the sun and the earth. <laughs> That's right. And hits your eye <laughs> like a big pizza pie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, well... So the whiskey skin thing makes mm-hmm. me a little um, that 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 name just sounds a little weird. Like I'm trying to figure out where the skin part comes from. Uh, but also what I'm I'm looking at because we type up the recipes on our our uh, our little show notes thing, and and I'm seeing the recipe here, and it strikes me that it's kind of like a hot version of an old fashioned almost. Yeah, I mean it is right. I mean it's relatively simple. There's no there's no. Um... No, no bitters in it, which yeah. I think is a key ingredient of the it is, yeah, of yeah. the old fashioned. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 yeah, it's it's whiskey and sugar. Um, but Can't you know, I yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a reason why the old fashioned is so great, right? It's love a good template. Fashion. It's basically a hot old fashioned. What's not to love? What's not to love? Well, on uh, that note, yeah. On that note, we should probably talk about baseball. Let's do it. What's not to love? Did you love uh, what Farhan said, you know, when he finally spoke to the press last week about uh, this whole Korea fiasco? I liked it a lot. I did, actually. I I would think so, because he said a lot of things that sounded like what you said. Yeah, it's like some intern wrote down what I said and then said, hmm, if I give this to Farhan to say word for word, then they'll know. So I got to change the words up a little bit. Well, let, let me but, read what, what he was quoted as saying, and then you tell me, you remind us what you said. All right. Mm-hmm. It says, when the bell rings, we expect to be a really competitive team that's fun to watch. I really hope our fans stick with us as we kind of work through some of what's happened this offseason and continue to work for the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. 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 Kind of. Like it. Like, you can't even, you can't even, kind of. Kind, kind of? of work through it. They're going to kind of work through it. <laughs> kind of work through it. Yeah. He had a hard time saying that. Th- they're not um, in the, yeah. the acceptance stage no. yet. They're I believe still... what I said was when when they were choosing to say nothing about the Carlos Correa brouhaha. And I went off on saying, like, you know what? It's not about Carlos Correa. It's about me. And here's what you could have said to me without violating Correa in any way. And I think I said something to the effect of um, this offseason has not gone the way that we planned and or wanted. I said one of those two words. But we uh, are we are working hard and continue to work hard to put a, a an improved and exciting team on the field for 2023. Um, and then I said I still wouldn't have bought that, but at least I would have been able to read between the lines and understood that this whole Korea thing was was kind of unexpected to you guys. And you had really good reasons in your minds for doing it. Whether or not I would ever agree with them or not is really kind of irrelevant. And uh, and I said I probably wouldn't have bought it, but at least I would have would have seen that you were you were still trying and you were caught off guard by it. Um, and uh, and I you know I, uh, I that sounds very similar to me. <laughs> but the problem is it's two weeks too late 
It, like, and, and how hard was that to say? Well, well it, it took a while to listen him. to your podcast. And that, that was That's good. true. That's true. Our podcast. Our podcast. You yes. were there too. I was. Yeah. Nodding and my head. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. As that's you right. went on your drunken rant. That's right. And I think, you know, he, but I, I realize now that even when he says kind of, kind of, like, I think there's still a little bit of, he's not ready to fully own his part of the situation, right? So kind of, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what struck me, too, is that you know, he was on the defensive. Like, you could tell that he wanted to address some of these, like, kind of things that have been going around in Twitter and all that. Um, I thought it was funny. He said something like, it's a little, it's never a, never a good thing when you go onto Twitter to check the news and your name is trending. <laughs> <laughs> like, true. That's probably not a good thing. Uh, uh, but, you know, he did want everybody to know that uh, that they didn't pull the rug on Correa at the last minute that as soon as they had concerns, they let him know on Monday before. Uh, and, and, you know, so they had a lot of time. Nobody got left, you know, in their hotel room waiting for the press conference to happen. He wanted us to know that, uh, which, I, you know, okay. You know, I, which I think you and I, I think even surmise that that was probably the case. I don't think we felt like, I mean, you know, if anything, he's professional, right? I mean, it's not like he's going to be doing anything like that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I just, um, yeah. interesting time. I, he was very defensive about some of the things that, uh, had been spread around, um, and wanted to set the record straight. But, uh, in the end, um, he's going to ho- kind of work through this and put a competitive <laughs> team on, kind of. on the field. Kind of. Maybe that should be the title of our uh, of our episode. Kind of. Well, this year's like you know hashtag for Twitter should be kind of competitive. You know, I mean, <laughs> kind like... of competitive. <laughs> the twenty twenty three Giants. Yeah, last year with our last year our tagline was game up. This yeah. year's going to be hashtag kind of competitive. <laughs> <laughs> Third wild card or bust. <laughs> oh well, you know someone. In the organization that uh, has done more than just talk about winning, uh, recently left. Uh, Former general manager, uh, Brian Sabian, the architect of three World Series championships, uh, announced that he was leaving the Giants. I got to be honest, I didn't know he was still with the Giants. I Same. Uh, But I think that was probably the point. I think, you know, he was uh, apparent, allegedly uh, kept on as an advisor to the general manager, of which Farhan didn't want any advice. You know, so Sabian says that, you know, he didn't get used in the way that he thought, and he wanted to explore other opportunities. And he went back to his roots with the Yankees and, um, you know, the frickin' Yankees. Of course, it's the Yankees. And, and that's great because, I mean, Sabian obviously wasn't, you know, I mean, his, 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 his Golden era was a decade ago, you know, uh, but, but, uh, you know, I think that we all owe a, you know, a, a big thank you to Brian Sabian and for what he put, uh, put on us. He won the world first world series in giants, San Francisco giants history, and then tacked on two more, uh, you know, unprecedented, uh, in most circles. And so, you know, great, great, uh, great man or great general manager for his time and, and, you know, probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for what he did in um, you know the early two thousands. Yeah, I think someday he probably will be. Um, and, and you know what? Like, I think Sabian comes from that era that I think a lot of people consider to be previous to the analytics era. Right. Right. He's old school. Uh, he's old school. Right. But you know, at the same time, he had a philosophy around building a team, 
And the difference between him and Farhan is, well, there's actually two differences, one of which I think is in Farhan's defense. But uh, they, he had a philosophy. The, the main difference is, is that Brian Sabian had a lot longer to play that philosophy out before the Giants actually won the World Series. Right. Although they did put a few competitive teams together uh, under his under his watch. Um, and, you know, the the um, well, I think that's the well. And the other difference is, is that Sabian won and Farhan hasn't. <laughs> so that's on the flip side of that coin. Um, but, you know, his his approach, his philosophical approach was was draft pitching exclusively right that was really where they emphasized in the draft they were always looking to get good pitching because they felt like that was a that had better trade value Mm -hmm. especially at the prospect level right right um and that's how we got people like lincecum and kane and jonathan well jonathan sanchez bumgarner bumgarner right like that's how all of those great names happened right um yes they took some sure things when they thought they were there like buster posey but it was by and large pitching. And that's why a lot of Giants fans are still bitter about the fact that the Giants haven't created a great position player in a long time. And that's just because that hasn't been what the Giants were focused on building at the farm level. Yeah. Um, and so that was the first thing. The other thing that he really valued, which I think was kind of spit in the face of, of, of analytics and sabermetrics, was he really valued veteran players. But when you look at the 2010 uh, Giants... Right. And on their way to um, what's it? They, they 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 that was the one where they beat the Phillies. Right. In the with Cody Ross. Or was that am I conflating that with 2012? I don't remember. But there you was know, that Renter- was the year they beat the Phillies. Yes. Mm, yeah. And then there was Edgar Renteria and there was Aubrey Huff and there was um, Freddie Sanchez, Freddie Sanchez. And then there's this uh, Pat Burrell. Bur- Pat, yeah. Pat Burrell. Right. Like all of these veteran guys that they kind of pulled off the scrap heap. Right. Um, but they really, really valued them because of their their veteran appro- veteran um, their veteran status, and and they really appreciated what veterans brought to the you know to the team, and 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 they felt that that was extremely important. A very difficult thing to quantify uh, with analytics, right? Um, you know, clubhouse and and all of that sort of stuff, and 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 I think a lot of people, have, you know, especially as as we as the team was in its decline kind of started to poo-poo those things and say like you know that never really mattered that's not why the giants won it was really just about your young stars and we need more young stars and i don't know who's right or who's wrong but the bottom line is sabian won three world series and um and i think to a large extent that's why um we're all a little bit upset now because we expected that to be a constant um possibility right right and 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 allegedly that's one of the reasons why we made the change why sabian you know sabian you know i mean who knows what really happened when sabian stepped down or took a smaller role you know both of these guys wanted to take a break allegedly you know what by both of these i'm sorry i'm thinking of bruce bochi in the back of my mind who's now a texas ranger (laughs) um you know, these uh they both stepped away and now they're both with different organizations and one has to wonder you know, did those guys hang them up or did they got did they did they get forced out or was it a little bit of both because the new head of baseball operations wanted to bring his own people? And I guess we'll never really know, but it's pretty telling that both of those guys are now employed elsewhere. Um, but anyway, thank you, Brian Sabian, for the three World Series rings. Um, I'm sorry that they didn't listen to you for the last four years. 
Although I'm I'm not actually that surprised, quite honestly. No, not surprised at all. Uh, you know, Farhan is the smartest man in the room always. He doesn't take advice from others, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, except for me when it comes to making statements. <laughs> That's right. And that was just, I'm sure, one of his lackeys who uh, you know, <laughs> That's right. suggested Here, Farhan, try saying this. <laughs> and then he added kind of to it. That's right. Because yeah. that's, you know, qualifier. Yeah. Well, somebody else left the organization this week, and I know you're equally torn up about this. Uh, our forever giant friend, Tommy LaStella, was finally placed on... He was DFA'd. Placed yeah. on waivers. So... How did you feel about that when you heard the news? I broke the news to you, right? You did. Are you um, going to get emotional? Are you starting to cry? I, I, I got very emotional when it happened. I was very emotional. <laughs> you land in Hawaii. You turn on your phone off of airplane mode. <laughs> and right there in the plane, my text comes up that says, Tommy LaStella DFA'd. And you shed a tear. Yeah, because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Finally. Oh. Finally. I mean, no offense to, to the man as a man or a human being. I mean, the stuff that happened was not in his control, right? I mean, your body no. breaks down, it breaks down. No, but, like, the way that the Giants, like, you know, stuck with them, like they oh. didn't stick with Carlos Correa. They wanted it to work. They, they so really did. wanted it to work. They really did. I think they were really like, you know, maybe that's a little bit of the symptom of being the smartest man in the room, right? Like, this was an utter disaster. This was an utter failure. It was a horrific contract, you know, especially now since it was backloaded, right? They're paying him, what, 13, 11 million, 13 million? 11 and a half. 11 and a half. 11 and a half million dollars this year. That man is sit at home and, uh, you know. Yeah, he's going to sit at home because nobody else is going to sign him. He's going to get signed to a minor league contract. He's going to get pulled up like a month into the season and he's going to bat 300 with like a 380 on base, you know, for whoever signs him. I don't think that's actually going to happen, but, you know. Uh, and that team will be paying him the league minimum while he earns $11 million from the Giants. Yeah, I think he's going to be earning $11.5 million from the Giants doing nothing. That's, that's what I think. But, you know, I, I hope for his sake that's not true. But you know, actually, you know what? No, God, no! I don't feel sorry for him. He's getting eleven and a half million dollars next year. <laughs> I do not feel sorry for you, sir, in any way. Go enjoy your eleven and a half million dollars for maybe doing nothing, or go, go, you know, go pursue what other your second most favorite passion in your life was, um, or maybe your most passionate thing, rehabbing. Rehabbing. <laughs> Maybe he wants to become a physical therapist. Maybe. He could afford you know, to do that. Now. And he could afford to do that and hang up a shingle. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. Stuff like this happens. But I think for me, he was really, like, the, the situation with him just always confounded me. Like, I just didn't understand. Well, I, I think it's funny. You look at his statistics and there are some things that jump out and I'm not looking at them right now, but I know like traditionally really high on base percentage, uh, really tough to strike out. That was the player that we were told that was like going to transform the Giants. The other stat that always stuck out was games played. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and 80 games, you know, seemed to be kind of give the, the over under for Tommy LaStella. And I don't know if he ever got to the over <laughs> for Twice. the Giants. 
twice he got. Oh no, for the Giants, no, twice in his career he got to the over. I mean, I, I mean, was it eighty point five? What's your over under? Seventy nine point five. Eighty point five. Eighty point five. Yeah, only got over that twice in two thousand fourteen, his rookie season. He played ninety three games with Atlanta, and then in two thousand eighteen uh, with the Cubs, he played one hundred and twenty three. That's the Whoa. most games that he ever played in a season was 123. Iron, Iron Man that year. <laughs> uh, let me go quickly check Brandon Belt's story just so everybody has a little bit of perspective here, right? Because what is Brandon Belt good at, Matthew? Getting hurt. That is correct. He is good at getting hurt. Brandon Belt had uh, one, two, three, uh, 12 seasons. And, well, let's say 11 seasons because we'll subtract 2020. And he had played more than 123 games, one, two, three, four, five times. So a better five track times. record than Tommy Lastella. Right. He uh, he outplayed Tommy Lastella's best season five times. Brandon Belt did. <laughs> um, and uh, and then and then he had two more that were over 100. One at 112 and one at 104. Um, so so yeah, that's the kind of track record that Tommy Lastella had before. The smartest man in the room signed him to this three-year contract. So uh, maybe that's why he's so afraid of injury now, Matthew. Maybe the Tommy Listella thing is just sort of like got a little totally, PTSD. Yeah, yeah, now. yeah. It's just ruined him. It's just ruined him. Like, like all he knows how to do is not sign, is to get rid of big contracts, and and then and then and now he's like, oh, I will find injured players and turn them into great things. But in order to do that, I can't sign them to any sort of long-term contract. And to him, that's anything longer than two seasons. That seems to be. Seems to be, right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. And we'll see how Wilmer Flores and his three-year contract kind of, you know. That is true. Out. But Wilmer, I mean. I mean, Wilmer's Wilmer... not expected to play as no. many games as Tommy Lastella was. No, he is not. I mean, I think Wilmer's being signed for his power and his versatility, but also a little bit of a, you know, he's a, he's a right-handed threat. Um, at the plate, he's not expected to to play against right-handers in a significant way. So yeah, no, they know they signed him for exactly what they're going to use him for, and and I think so. I think to that extent, he is not. I mean, the only thing that that's going to be bad about Wilmer is if he gets hurt. I'm looking at his track record, and uh, he's only done better than 123 four times in his ten seasons. Well, nine seasons because again, we got to subtract 2020. Man, we're gonna have to be doing that forever. <laughs> We're like, like we're gonna have to get to the point where there are no players left who played in that season. Yeah, it's like the strike shortened season back. Then. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. it's always gonna wonk things up. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> uh, so, uh, um, yeah, but Wilmer, I mean, Wilmer does have some shortened seasons, um, although his rookie season was one of those. So, um, well, his cup, cup of coffee season and his rookie season, hard to tell whether or not that was just because of his age. So, um, so no, I mean, I think Wilmer does not have it. He doesn't have a history of significant injury, right? He's just getting older. Yeah, yeah. and he's a role player. Uh, exactly. Well, okay, so that's that was the Giants' week, right? They, you know, some comings and goings, mostly goings, and uh, uh, so the next thing that I wanted to really talk about was so last year, twenty twenty two, was. Giants played some historically bad defense, mm. mm-hmm. and and so and and Farhan at the beginning of the season said, or beginning of the off season rather, said 
this is the time we need to address that. We need to get younger and more athletic or something yeah. to like that. More athletic was the word that he used. And I'm just I'm looking at what our roster looks like now from the defensive and offensive side, you know, non-pitchers, I should say. Position and players. position players, thank you. And what does what strikes me, I should say, is I don't really see a hugely improved defensive team. Well, there's only three guys right now that are on well, and one of them's not even a sure thing. That's on the the thirteen position player that you would expect to to be there opening day as things stand right now. Exactly. Well, so let's. I mean, that's a good point, right? I mean, there has been very little change on the side. So to answer that question, are we better defensively, uh, marginally? I mean, in the outfield, you could make the argument because Jock Peterson's no longer playing the outfield, right? You've got Mitch mm-hmm. Hanniger and Michael Conforto. Uh, we would hope are an upgrade over Jock Peterson. But let's start with the infield. So the infielders right now that are on the roster are Brandon Crawford, starting shortstop, Tyro Estrada, starting second baseman, uh, J.D. Davis and David Villar, Lamont Wade Jr. and Wilmer Flores. And I didn't say starting for any of them because I think they're kind of mix and match, right? You're going to have Lamont Wade Jr. and J.D. Davis playing a lot of first base, you know, the lefty-righty there. David Villar playing third base. Uh, J.D. Davis also a third baseman by trade. Wilmer Flores can play third, second, or first. Uh, So there's a lot of interchanging parts there, uh, but none of them are new faces. And and what strikes me, especially now that Correa is off the table, is that we don't really have a backup middle infielder. Uh, so where does that leave us there as far as, you know, and maybe this goes back to the Farhan thing about we're going to continue to try and get better. Uh, do you see something happening on the infield before opening day? No. I mean, Correa. He's the only really thing out there. I mean... Well, from free agent perspective, sure. Right. What about trade? Well, okay. So this is... That's, that is... I, I think the Giants still have the possibility of making some trades. I, I think... We're going to talk about pitchers, we hope, next week. But I feel like they're really deep at the starting position, starting pitcher position. And in fact, they only have one guy on... Who, of all the candidates to be starting pitchers, only one of them has options left. So only one of those guys can start the season as a minor leaguer. Yeah, but th- that's not going to be Logan Webb. Logan right, and he's the, he's the guy. So 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 there is no one. There's none of the candidates that they have, and there's like 10 of them that, that to be starting pitchers. Well, I mean, Kyle Harrison. Kyle Harrison will start in the minors. But other than that, it's, it's, it's a huge, it's like 10 guys. And you're telling me that you're going to use, you're going to use four of those guys where? In the bullpen? Well, I think it's right? more like eight guys, right? I mean, it's... Um... But anyway, well, we're not talking about yeah, pitchers. Right? We're but not yeah. talking about pitchers. My point is, is that you have an excess of starting pitchers, so maybe you could trade some of those guys. You do well, also. I, no, go ahead. What? Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. You also do have minor leaguers that, that could be tradable and put into certain packages, because you haven't done a great job of making those players better. You don't have a lot of great people. Kyle Harrison is a distant first, and then you have a bunch of guys after that. You have a very young Luciano. Uh, so so maybe he could be traded for anything of significant value, but everything else is going to have to be a package deal, and that's just going to make your minor league roster even worse. 
Um, but they could trade for somebody, yes. And I think that remains the place where the Giants could still make a big impact is by a trade. Do I think they will? No. <laughs> no, I don't. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to argue with you on that because, like, I look at this the way it is. And, and in my mind, David VR and J.D. Davis are the same person. And... And they're both right now slated to be on the opening day roster. David VR does still have options, however. So as good as he did the last uh, month and a half of the season, uh, the Giants have been known to be like, yeah, we don't care. You got options. You're going back you know, to, to AAA. So that could be a solution. And J.D. Davis is a starting third baseman uh, on opening day. I don't think that's likely, though. I think, I think David VR showed them that he could uh, play every day. And and so I feel like J.D. Davis or David VR, I guess one or the other, uh, could be a trade candidate. And J.D. Davis is attractive because not only does he have a long history of, of being a solid offensive player uh, who hits left-handers very well, uh, he's also got two more years. He's got this year and next year. He's got two years left on his contract. So he's not a one-and-done guy, and you could get a little bit more value from him in that respect. Uh, and you might probably get more value from him than the upside of David VR. So, so I think I think it wouldn't shock me to see a trade with JD Davis that brings back a middle infielder uh, that not a starter, but somebody that would at least give them competent up the middle defense um, should something happen to Crawford or Estrada, because there's no one even at the minor league level that's ready right now to uh to take over should one of them get hurt and that's how Estrada ended up with the Giants in the first place if you recall is that they had they were lacking depth uh in the minors for a backup role for uh for Crawford and they got they got him from the Yankees for cash uh right before the opening day uh, a couple years ago so so I think they will tinker with this right up to the date and it wouldn't shock me to see JD JD Davis or David VR go before the season starts well I'm just looking at JD's stats and the guy is a, he's a 116 OPS plus over his career. Yeah. And and his season last year for the Mets was a 97 OPS plus, so just slightly below average. But that is not the guy that we remember. We remember a guy who was surprisingly good. Yeah. Uh his his OPS plus with the Giants was 140. Wow. And uh and he had a a one fifteen overall for the season and he had a one twenty five last season with the Mets. So this is a guy who's still performing at a very high level. So part of me is saying, like, don't trade him, keep him. Yeah. But yes, I mean David VR, I think the ceiling is even higher, right? And 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 JD Davis hit twelve home runs last year. We expect a lot more home runs out of VR. Correct. And and, and I think David VR probably plays a better third base than JD yeah. Davis as well. So I would say, okay, you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying, I guess what I'm doing, Matthew, is I'm just being pessimistic because I, I'm so anti Because you're a crotchety old man, that's why. That, that, well, that's right. I'm, I'm a crotchety old man. And Who's I'm had a so, couple drinks. That's right. And I'm so anti-Farhan at this point that I, I think that anything that he does is going to be worse for the Giants, right? Like, he's not going to make, and it's just all these things that he's never done, right? Like, he could have traded Rodon. He traded Rodon. He didn't. Right. He could have gotten a good free agent three of, you know, out of the three last seasons. He hasn't. Right. And don't give me this Korea crap because it's not about Korea. As I said in our last live show, 
right? It, it's about the fact that he hasn't done squat to, to get anything in the last five years unless it's some retread or, you know, reclamation project. And so seeing Farhan do anything good for a healthy player and bringing them into the organization just seems like obviously that's not going to happen. So that's why I think he's not going to trade anybody, you know, for, for anybody that's going to make the Giants better. Or if it is, it's going to be some guy that none of us have ever heard of who, you know, who the scouts all like. And they say, if we could tweak this one thing, you know, and he's super, super cheap. Of course it'll be that guy. Of course it will be. <laughs> right. Yes. And I'm saying like, you know, is that guy going to be, is he going to be, is he going to be Tyro Estrada or is he going to be Tommy Listella? Or something in between. You know, I think a, a backup middle infielder, you know, is not going to be a, you know, 115 OPS plus, but he's going to give you solid defense, you know, when, right. you, when you need it, right? right. So, so um, we're going to make a trade where we get less in return, but it's going <laughs> to be in the right... offensively, but there's only, there's only nine positions. There's only four, you know, sure. infield spots, you know, as it is. And so defense matters, Ben. As yes, we, I as as, as we I, learned last last well year. as I was complaining about since May first of last year. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. don't discount the the middle infielder that can pick it. Right. I mean, yeah. we we yeah. need that, and we don't have yeah. that right now. Yeah. And God love Brian Crawford, but he's not getting any younger. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I mean, the other thing though, I mean, and and I mean, you make a good point, right? Like because the Giants did say that they were going to get more athletic, right? Younger, whatever. But the idea was they were going to get better defense. And then we look at the guys, like I said at the beginning of this segment, there's only really two new guys. But I have to remind you, Matthew, like take these guys out, take out Conforto, take out Haniger, and put in uh, Maurizio Dubon <laughs> and um, Stephen Duggar. Well, you got better defense there, for sure. You've got way better defense with Dubon and Duggar. And, and you so, have a middle infielder that can that can back up. You play. have it, and yeah, and Dubon, you have a guy who can play middle infield, right? Is this roster really better than last year? And is it better defensively? No, well, no, no. The answer is no. But what this season is telling me, what this off season is telling me, is they think last year was an outlier. Oh God! They think last year was not. You know, twenty twenty. One, they were a surprisingly good defensive team. Uh, because I remember we did an episode in season one early on about how awful this team was going to be defensively because I think they led the spring in like errors and, and it was a terrible uh, offseason. And so, but they ended up being very good defensively. And then last year it was the exact opposite. And so I think they're thinking that this last year was an outlier and that they're much better than what the stat showed last year, particularly if you remove Jock Peterson from from the outfield, which which their moves have done. Yeah, that that is true. Even with Conforto, Conforto and um, and Haniger are better than Peterson, without a doubt, without a doubt. So I I, I will agree with that. Like, but and then but, remember, like halfway through the year, we still had Darren Ruff, right? I mean, there was guys out there in left field that. We're stumbling, bumbling, right, you know, around. Right, but remember, this is the same. Those are the guys who thought it was a smart thing to do to get rid of Duggar and Dubon. Right. The, well, that's I, that's who these guys are. The, yeah. the smartest men in the room think that Dubon and Duggar were valueless. Well, I think it's clear that this administration values offense more than defense. Yeah. Well, where did Dubon go? 
to the Astros. Who won the World Series? The Astros. Yeah. Without so, Dubon taking a single at bat in the in the postseason. Well, right, but he played defense. Yeah. Right? He was a defensive backup. And that was exclusively what they used him as, you know, for the remainder of his of his season. They were like, yeah. Dubon's good at defense, so that's what we're gonna value in him. The Giants saw a guy who couldn't hit home runs and were like, ah, oh, we hate him. Get rid of him. You know, and they traded him for a guy that they just DFA'd. Yeah, they got nothing in return. They got nothing in return for Dubon. You know, like, this is clearly, like, uh, yeah, you're right. The Giants think that last year was a fluke. I think 2021 was a fluke. I guess we'll find out who was right. Yeah, yeah, we will. Uh... Yeah, and so uh, so that's the infield. There's still there's still some questions, um, but right now, as it stands, you've got Flores and 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 well, Lamont Jr. and J.D. Davis being the alternating starting, you know, the platoon at first base. You've got Estrada playing second, Crawford playing third, and VR or I'm sorry, Crawford playing shortstop. Ooh, look at that! I did a Correa a uh, little Freudian slip there. Uh, Crawford playing short and VR playing third, and then Flores is your kind of constant backup there uh, so that's the infield as it stands today we'll see where that goes the outfield right now as it stands is mitch hanniger michael conforto mike yastrzemski austin slater and jock peterson which we know jock peterson is going to be a primarily a dh against left hand or right-handed pitchers rather yeah so so really you've got four outfielders but right now you've got a fifth kind of dark horse in mm-hmm. the uh rule five pick uh blake sable see i blake. actually looked up his name i looked blake. up his name this time blake it's blake sable who is an outfielder slash catcher oh uh, yeah you know and you know farhan loves those those outfielders slash catchers like your mean mercedes who also spent some time in left field last year uh so you know what there was once a second baseman slash catcher and he's in the hall of fame so <laughs> well yeah, that's true that, that, those are rare though. rare <laughs> yeah yeah, they're pretty rare. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Craig Biggio um, is is what Ben is. Yes, uh, sorry. Is, I'm just assuming. I'm assuming yeah, all these yeah. kids know those guys. Biggio <laughs> is actually really good at getting hit by pitches. One of the best. Go look at videos of him. I think some of these young YouTubers have figured this out and have done done some some montages of him getting hit by pitches. Go check them out. Craig Biggio. Yeah. So, but where Blake Sable becomes interesting, right, is that... Do they just keep him as the backup catcher to Joey Bart? Or because you know, you're a rule five guy, you've got to keep him on the major league roster, the twenty-six man roster all year. Otherwise you have to give him back to, I guess, the Reds in this case. Uh so I just have a hard time thinking there that's gonna be the answer at catcher. And I know we kind of just glossed over outfield, but Blake Sable has kind of made me think now with Austin Wins is still on on the 40 man. Uh, but he's out of options, and so it has to be Joey Bark and Austin wins if that's if you want an experienced backup catcher, or we go with Blake Sable and Joey Bart as our catchers. That also strikes me as a place where there's some work needs to be done, but I really don't know how you can solve that on the fly. I mean, last year they traded for a couple of catchers that kind of came and went. Um, None of them made much of an impact. And so uh, I'm curious to see opening day. Who is, A, who is the starting catcher? Because maybe he's not even on the roster. Uh, But specifically also, who is the backup catcher? Because that is an interesting thing. Like, why even take a flyer on Blake Sable? If you don't think that he's going to be able to stick. 
Well, I mean, it's a really low cost, right? A lot of well, people sure. take a lot of people take take Rule Five draftees and and return them before before opening day. So that it, it could be just insurance, right? The Giants are just like, hey, we really like this kid. He's available. Let's get him, and and we'll just see how it goes. So that could have been all the thought they put into it. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> like, like because may, maybe he proves something or shows something on the field. Maybe there's an injury. Maybe there's another trade opportunity where where suddenly you're left with a hole and Blake Sable fills it fills it nicely. Um, you know, I I hope that's what the Giants were thinking because I do not think that he is better than Austin Wins or Joey Bart. Joey Bart is good enough to be your defensive catcher, right? Most teams' catcher isn't a Buster Posey. Right. Right. Like most teams catchers is a guy who's really good behind the plate and hits okay. And if that's what Joey Bart turns out to be, and I think a lot of the Giants pitchers really like throwing to him, then then I think he should be the your your main catcher, or he's just it's Austin wins and Bart, you know, fifty fifty. Because I think the Giants feel the same way about wins. Um, you know, I think that also the upside with Bart is still there. Right. And I think the you know upside with wins, I think we saw that is the best Austin wins is going to be. We saw it. Right. Because that was the best he's ever played. Right. With the, as yes. Giant. And I, I, I would not assume that that is how he's going to be next year. Right. Like he's going to regress to the mean. He's well, going to go back you, to being the guy he was. Let me give you a number of why they think Blake Sable is is a viable, viable candidate to, to start and on the, at least make the opening day roster. OK. Three seventy two. That is his on-base percentage yeah. in the minor leagues. And and there are some minor league seasons where that has been over 400. And so... That's, I mean, that's very good. That is yes. very, very good. So the man knows how to get on base. And if he can be a decent catcher... Oh, my God. ...who gets on base, I could see them sticking with someone like... I could Austin see them doing that, too, stable. because they clearly do not care about defense. Farhan Zaidi would like trade Maurizio Dubon for nothing because he hates defense so much. Um, just, I mean, just remember that catcher's ERA is a thing, right? This is a rookie catcher. And in order for him to make that on base percentage matter, he's got to play a lot of games. So is he going to play that in the outfield, or is he going to play that behind the plate? If he plays yeah. that behind the plate, I think you're going to have a lot of veteran pitchers who he's going to have to prove himself to. Well, I was just going to say that because even Joey Bart got some pushback last year from some of our veterans. And, you know, I think uh, 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 Rodon wasn't even pitching to him at the end. It was to wins. Yeah. And so, like, now you've got Joey. So when you say Joey Bart, this great defensive guy, I think he's above average, but some of the pitchers clearly didn't want to pitch to him. And I could certainly see that from a triple a rule five guy where some guys well, are like, why am I, you know, and look, it's not like, it's not like catchers are different than other positions because they don't start every game. That's fair. You know, they, they start two out of every three or three out of every four. Uh, and then somebody has got to come in and play that, that start, you know, every fourth day. Yeah. And are we going to rely on a rule five guy? No, I don't think so. No, no, we're not going to rely on a Rule 5 guy. No, no, no. So that means yes. He says hopefully. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Now that, yeah, it's going to be Blake Sable and Austin wins and Joey Bart's going to be DFA'd. 
That's it. That's, that'll, that'll that is exactly it. what's going to happen. That's what Farhan's going to do. Oh, he'll be, he'll be traded. Come on, they're not going to DFA him. Well, sure, 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 sure. They'll trade him for somebody that we DFA. Yes, exactly. Is that what you sure. wanted me to say? Yes. Okay, that's fine. Right. That's that's, right. that's get... what that's that's what they'll do. <laughs> that's what they'll do, and and Bart will go play somewhere and and be just fine. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what's what's interesting is. So let's get back to the outfield because we kind of glossed over that and we are running out of time. But I, I do want to say, so we got Hanager, Conforto, and Yastrzemski. So Hanager in left, Conforto in right, Yastrzemski in center. Austin Slater maybe platooning with Yastrzemski at times in center. Um, and, and we hope that Jock Peterson never sees the outfield. Never. That's only four four outfielders, right? So that's a lot of wear and tear on those outfielders because you don't have a fifth guy to kind of you know spell them unless you count like Tyro well, Estrada, Lamont Wade Jr. Sable. That's why you got Blake Sable. You solved the problem already. Yeah. Well, last year they threw J.D. Davis out there a few times. They threw Lamont Wade. Well, Lamont Wade Jr. started out as an outfielder before he showed his worth as a first baseman. So uh, maybe they, they think they can rely on that to kind of give them some outfield starts. Um, I just think there's some, yeah, there's a little work to be done before opening day. And, I, and, and I'll be interested to see see where it goes. I think this lineup is better defensively than what we ended the season with. I don't think it's better than what we started the season with last year. Mm. Fair, fair, yeah. And and I think really if we're going to see a significant improvement in defense, it is that certain people need to just play better. I think Slater didn't play as well as he could have. Even Duggar and Dubon did not play to the level that they they could have, and that might have been one of the reasons why they were both let go, right? Agreed. Like, yeah. All you're good at is defense, and you're not even good enough at that, so we're going to get rid of you. Right. Um, Yastrzemski wasn't as good as he could have been defensively. I, I think. I think so. I think to a certain extent, there is some truth, as much as I want to deny it, to the fact that that they underperformed defensively. Um, but I would say that it's still a question mark. I, I don't, you know, I don't look at this roster and say, oh, they they clearly got better. I just think it's yeah they got some different guys. And well, some I, guys I think might I think be they better. got potentially better, and and that's where like the Correas and the judges you could say yeah they got better now with Conforto not having played in a full over a year and Hanniger you know being having some really unfortunate injuries uh, in the past. Uh, you know, we're we're banking on upside or them getting back yeah. to their potential. So they potentially could be better. Um, we just have to wait and see. Wow, you're right, Farhan. This is exciting. Woo! Excited! Woo! I mean... <laughs> yes, let's go buy some opening day tickets. Woo-hoo! <laughs> With my Alyssa Nakin jersey. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, having said that, Ben, I think we're up against the hour. I think we need to reveal the end of the trivia question, the answer to the trivia question. Oh, yeah. Good. See? See? I'm, I'm keeping us on, on track. So the question was, uh, who was the first Giants player to win a gold glove? Melot. <laughs> he, maybe, he, maybe he was a fine outfielder. Uh, there's, there's no replays of him, uh, no, no video footage of Melot playing outfield, so I couldn't tell you. That is not the correct answer. 12-time All-Star, Hall of Famer. The correct answer is Willie Mays. Who? The Say Hey Kid. Uh, in 1957, which was the inaugural year of the ah, Gold Glove ah, Award. There it is. And it is. Uh, he won the uh, for center field, the Gold Glove. And in that, in that year, well, in the first several years of the award, it was only the major leagues 
So it wasn't a National League and an American League award. It was a Major League award. So he was the center field uh, gold glove winner. Interesting enough, Minnie Minosa and Al Kaline were the other corner outfielders for that. Um, so those are some names, man. Some names. Man. Uh, that's a great I mean, I, that's the best of the best defensively. And we all know how the gold glove was given out, right? You had to be good offensively to qualify for the Golden Glove. <laughs> That's true. You can and just then, be a and then, yeah. and then it was like the best of the guys who were good at hitting, right? So that's how the Gold Glove has usually worked. Exactly. I think it's. I think it still works out. It still works frankly. out. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, so you know, but but yeah, Al Kaline. I mean, Minosa is probably. More, he might have been a little bit li- high, more, lighter of a hitter. I don't know. I have to yeah, check his stats. But, but anyway, that's like some great awesome. names, and I just thought that was yeah. uh, amazing. So uh, He went on to win it 11 more times. Will he? Will he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, shocking. shocking. Yeah, right? shocker, shocker. All right, well, Ben, uh, we're getting to the end. Uh, Bob, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find us? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And Mastodon. And Mastodon. I'm still putting things up there. I'm not really hanging out on Mastodon, but I'm I'm putting up our recipes there, uh, putting up when we when we publish a new episode. So if you're out on Mastodon at Giant Cocktails dot s, I don't know something. It's on our Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> go to our go to our twitter feed uh, at giant cocktails you can see our mastodon uh, account um, it's fine. i haven't even figured out how to log into mastodon yet yeah uh, the, the whole fine. server thing is is a little confusing but anyway yeah. anyway uh yeah we're getting called today so ben it was good chatting with you welcome back aloha from whole aloha. from the islands Thank you. and uh listeners i hope you enjoyed our lost episode earlier in the week and uh, i sure we'll- did <laughs> and we'll be back next Thursday uh, with a new episode. And uh, until then, Ben, cheers. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. Bottoms up.